when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode, along with every episode of the Raptors Over Everything podcast, this season is brought to you by our sponsor, KFC. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 93-92 to win over the Chicago Bulls. And, um, I mean, I, got, I don't know, man. It's a win. It's a win. The Raptors snapped a three-game losing streak. Uh, and when we look back on this season, this will be game one of 82. And, you know, one of 50-some-odd wins for the Raptors. Uh Whatever. A win is a win. But at the same time, man, uh, this is not a very encouraging result. I wouldn't say the Raptors uh, fix a lot of their problems. Um, you know, the Bulls clearly are not a top-tier team. And if you look at the way they played tonight, definitely not a top-tier team. Uh, you know, they had pushed the Chicago – or they pushed the, the Heat to overtime, and Tyler Hero had to hit some shots, uh, you know, to get to get them there and stuff like that. That's cool. That's nice. It's a promising result. Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately, I, I don't know, man. It, it did not seem like a very, very uh, positive game. I'll say that much in terms of just how the game was played. Uh, it's sort of a back and forth affair. You know, neither team really was able to command a lead above five points. Really, um, the Raptors will take control, and you're like, okay, maybe they're going to do something, and then the Bulls will come take control. And honestly, for a large portion there, especially in that second half in that third quarter. Neither team could score. Neither team could execute. It didn't really seem like either team had a good plan. And the results were pretty ugly. Uh, you know, like, you know, this is just not a... I don't know, man. I, I guess in this situation, you just got to take the win for what it is. But uh, we'll start at the end and work our way back to the, the, the beginning. So, the Raptors, in the end, um, I would say they made more clutch plays uh, down the stretch than the Chicago Bulls to win the game. Which is what you would expect. I mean, the Raptors are 16-7. and seven, The Bulls are 8-17. and 17. You would expect Raptors to do something like that, um, you know. And and there were positives, but there were some negatives. Let's start with the positives at least. So, um, you know, Norm Powell delivers two baskets in the last uh, two minutes, basically one transition layup and also another one where this is the KFC bucket of the game. I'm going to super early, but this is a very impressive play in the sense that broken possession, Kyle Lowry running the offense ball. It's going nowhere. All of a sudden, he's trying to do like a give and go with OG Anobi, which definitely wasn't going to work. OG, instead of giving it back to Lowry, he decides to swing the ball to the opposite side of the floor. Mark and Norm are actually at the same spot. I think Mark thought the pass was coming to him, but then Norm caught the pass eventually. And so what I'm trying to describe is that there's nothing going on. There's like five seconds on the shot clock. Norm just has to make a beeline for the rim, and he overpowers, uh, you know, Denzel Valentine going to the rim, gets to, you know, just outside that little restricted area, jumps to a stop, floats, is sort of fading towards his left and puts the shot up with his right hand, puts the floater in, and that gives the Raptors an advantage. Um, 
so that's your KC bucket of the game, and it was very big because you know it gave the Raptors breathing room, it gave the Raptors the lead. Uh, it was it was a big basket, and um, you know Norm Powell did make some pretty crucial plays down the stretch. In addition to those uh, you know plays that I described earlier, you know both the little floating layup and also a transition layup where he honestly beat like three guys down the floor once, and, and it was a very impressive layup. Uh, but Norm also came up with a steal uh, on Laurie Markkinen, uh, and you know. I thought, honestly, Norm kind of bailed him out. And the other guy that kind of bailed him out was Marcus Hall, who uh, came up with two key defensive stops. One where he blocked Markkinen. Uh, you know, the, the Bulls sort of ran this pick and roll play. Markkinen was going to the rim. And all of, out of, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Marcus Hall comes over, uh, comes over with a big, huge swat at the rim uh, to prevent Markkinen from scoring. Uh, this is all, also in the last two minutes. And then on the final possession of the game, uh, the Bulls down one. They run a play, obviously, to go to Zach Levine, who's their go-to guy. And Levine tries to go to the rim, and the Raptors completely collapse on him at the basket. Uh, avoid fouling, which is important because, you know, you don't want to lose on a, on a mistake like that. And Mark, again, was in the middle of all of that by being big at the rim, preventing the uh, the layup, and then poking the rebound free so the Raptors could uh, hoist the ball away while the shot clock and the game expired. So I would say Norm and Mark made huge plays. And, you know, in the middle of that, there was also a Kyle Lowry layup where he sort of uh, bullied uh, one of the Bulls, you know, I don't know. They have some very random players on the Bulls these days. Um, and he got a layup in there. But I got to say, for the most part, I wasn't that happy with the way Kyle Lowry played down the stretch. You know, throughout the game, I was actually pretty good with the way Lowry was operating. No Fab M. Lee tonight, who, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in the game against the uh, the Sixers, um, you know, Fred has a knee contusion. And uh, luckily, MRIs came back and they were clear so it seems like there's no structural issue but at the same time you know fred wasn't able to go give it a go tonight and so kyle had to run the point he plays 39 minutes it's high but i, I don't know you know what you do really like you just you need a point guard on the floor at least most of the time you do and um i thought kyle did a pretty good job early in the game of sort of getting everyone involved distributing the ball pushing the pace of the game uh doing the usual stuff that makes kyle uh, an effective player uh, mostly as a playmaker. Now, he didn't have double-digit assists, but I thought he created a lot of opportunities for guys who, you know, like a Malcolm Miller who who flubbed the layup or like Marcus Gasol, who, you know, missed a chance or, you know, Pascal missed a chance or whatever. But Kyle was making opportunities happen, and I think he was really making the team better as sort of a playmaker. Down the stretch, that's where I take exception with the way Kyle was playing because on two possessions, I see Pascal Siakam Guarded by Zach Levine in the post, one on one. And Pascal's calling for the ball, but Kyle Lowry, as the point guard in that situation, decided both times to just wave off Pascal. You're not going to get the ball, Pascal. We're going to run this offense. We're going to run the Kyle Lowry offense. And one time he gets a layup at the rim, whatever. It could have been called an offensive foul, but, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a big layup and it, it was in a big moment for the Raptors. That's good. But for the most part, if you take a look at the bigger picture, Pascal's the number one guy on the team. Pascal wasn't having the greatest game, but he was effective in the fourth quarter. He wanted the ball. He was effective with it. He got to the rim repeatedly, in large part because he was getting guarded by guys like Zach Levine, who he has a clear uh, post-mismatch advantage over. Pascal scored seven points in the fourth quarter, got to the free throw line four times. He hit three or four from there, hit two more shots after that. Like, you know, give Pascal the ball, especially when he has a clear mismatch on Zach Levine. And I just thought... I, it was a little baffling to me that as the point guard, you decided to make that decision to wave off Pascal. Now, I'm not sure what else Kyle saw on the offense. Maybe he saw a gap. Maybe he tried to attack a different situation, whatever. But, 
you know, ultimately speaking, what are we talking about over here? Like, Pascal should get the ball in a situation. It's not even like Pascal had struggled all night and he had a, you know, defender against him that was bigger and stronger and whatever, more athletic. Uh, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It, it, it's it's literally Zach Levine in the post, and he looked at Pascal. And so if the results weren't there, if Norm didn't hit that big shot, sort of bailed him out on a broken possession, which, again, that's up to the point guard. Kyle controlled most of that possession. It was broken. Kyle also controlled a very big possession late in the fourth quarter, where it's the Raptors' last offensive possession in the game, where it's 30 seconds left, the Raptors get the stop because Mark comes up with the block. Kyle decides to milk the clock, kill it, Wave off Pascal, who had Zach Levine on him in the post. Again, I can't stress this enough. Pascal Siakam versus Zach Levine. That is a bucket. It's a KFC bucket right there. And, uh, no, instead, KFC, uh, instead Kyle decides to, you know, drive into the lane and he, and he gets blocked. Um, you know, really had no chance of even making that shot, really. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like the play was reviewed and the ball is out of bounds on the, on, you know, on the Raptors and, and the Bulls get the ball back. And, and I just thought, you know, that's just not how, you're going to win a lot of games consistently is by ignoring the number one option in a mismatch and deciding to go freestyle with some other, I don't know, some other things in the offense. Overall, Cubs did not have a good game in terms of his efficiency. 3 or 15 from the field, 1 of 8 from deep. Uh, you know, he did have 11.7 rebounds, 7 assists, and was a plus 7 in the game. Made a couple of defensive plays here or there. It's like, okay, cool. But ultimately, I, I didn't really think... You know, the crunch time offense was handled that well. And honestly, even defensively, uh, it was tricky because when you look at the results, like the Bulls did not play well. Like offensively, they shot 39% from the field. They only hit 12 of 46 from deep and did not take the ball inside the paint very much. Uh, they shot 10 of 14 in, in from the free throw stripe. So it's really just a reflection of the fact that they just didn't go to the rim that much. And they were getting nice calls when they got into the rim. They just weren't doing it. Um. But, yeah, I mean, it felt like the Raptors' defense couldn't keep up with Chicago's offense in a weird way because Chicago came very prepared for the double teams that the Raptors are going to send. Guys like Zach Levine or whatever. Zach Levine today, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. The 6 assists is what I'm looking at. Also, uh, Sadoransky with 11 assists because a lot of the times Chicago just knew that the Raptors are going to double team on the perimeter and they were very good at moving the ball around and swinging the ball to the open man. Now, this was just a night where the Bulls could not hit any threes. Like I said, man, they shot 12 of 46 from deep. That is horrendous. The Raptors weren't much better, by the way, 7 of 29, which is actually a lower percentage. Uh, but, you know, it felt very much like the Raptors defensively, like just a regular the defense, couldn't really keep up with the uh, the Bulls' offense, which, A, that's a big problem. Like, the Bulls' offense is nothing to write home about that's not a very good offense so that's already not a good sign i thought the energy the execution in terms of the way they play defense was not there wasn't crisp the multiple efforts weren't there and that's understandable because the second half of back-to-back the raptors are i don't know like they got in late whatever like it's a tough game sure i guess the situation is not there for them to fly around but nevertheless the bottom line is that the energy was low defensively um and also you know the raptors clearly didn't think that it was working that well because nick nurse for the most of the cr- like crunch time possessions, went to a zone defense, sort of a two-three zone, a, you know, little variations within that. But for the most part, a two-three zone, and honestly, that was way more effective in stopping the Bulls than anything else because um, the Bulls just didn't seem equipped to handle it. Now, what I like from Nurse is that he kind of varied the look. So, uh, a one possession, there was a breakdown at, late in the game where. Uh, Marcus Saul and OG and LB both close out to Laurie Markkinen in the corner. Uh, he swings the ball over to Sadoransky on the wing. And then 
for some reason, both OG and Mark abandon Markinen in the corner. So that's a clear breakdown in the defense. Uh, Sadaransi swings it over into the corner. Markinen's a very good shooter. He swishes it. That's a big, big mistake, especially in that moment. And you can see on the replay that uh, you know, Mark and OG are sort of looking at each other like, bro, what the hell? Like, who screwed up here? Um, but, you know, yeah, there are going to be lapses in the zone. The zone is not, like, an effective defense over the course of a game at, at the professional level. But at the same time, like, I thought when used in spurts, um, it was very effective. It was very effective because, you know, if you look at the Raptors, for example, after Markin hits that three... Uh, Nurse then abandoned the zone, went back to straight man to man, and the Bulls offensively were a little bit scrambled because they didn't, they were kind of setting up to play against the zone, and th- that's a pretty different offense than when you just play man to man and the Raptors were able to get a stop. So you know it, it was it was useful, it was useful at times. Um, you know it, it it got the job done, and you know just in general, it you know that's the whole idea of the zone. It's like a curveball, right? You don't always want to throw your fastball. Sometimes you want to mix it up, throw off speed, and uh, have your opponent sort of. Um, fool themselves and in that sense I thought the zone defense you know worked pretty well tonight I thought you know in in a game where it was tight and the little advantages really did matter uh you know Nick pulled out a couple of you know things out of his hat and and got the Raptors the result um but you know overall it just didn't feel like the energy was there the flow of the game was there the pace of the game was there and again I got to circle back to Pascal who you know he was really, really, really poor in the last three games, like substandard for, for his expectations. Uh, and, you know, you can expect him to be better. I mean, you can expect him. Actually, to be honest, we don't really know what exactly to expect from Pascal just yet because we've seen him both be incredible and also very average sometimes and in some games absent. And so, you know, I guess this is all part of the feeling out process. Realistically, we only have like a, what, 22, 23-game sample of Pascal's the number one guy. It's not immediately clear what his baseline is supposed to be. But nevertheless, you know, he has set the bar very high for himself. He played really well to start the year. And it felt like at least in the last couple of games, he's been slowing down. Different theories as to what's going on. Maybe Kyle coming back sort of affecting the hierarchy. Maybe Pascal's being exhausted because he's carrying the team. So maybe some other factors going on. Maybe defenses are playing better uh, are just more prepared against him. Also, he's been playing some pretty tough teams. So, you know, that's also a factor. But whatever. There's been a lot of things. There's a lot of focus on Pascal. I like the way he responded tonight. I gotta give him full credit for the way he came out of the, uh, out of the gate. He had 13 points on five of 10 shooting by the end of the first quarter. Um, you know, definitely was uh, you know made an emphasis of demanding the ball. Definitely went to work, and you know, whatever. It's the Bulls, man. Like he should be able to score on any of these guys one on one. There's not a guy on the Bulls that you know can effectively guard him one on one. I mean, it just doesn't, um, you know. It, like, come on, man. Like, Laurie Markkinen or Chris Dunn or Zach Levine or Sadoransky. Like, Pascal can score on all these guys. Uh, and the Bulls actually weren't showing that much help on Pascal either. So, uh, I like that Pascal took his opportunities early. But then throughout the course of the game, especially in that second and third quarter, Pascal was completely invisible. And, you know, there were some weird moments. Like, you know, he missed a layup at the rim. And it was so quiet in the United Center. You could hear him on the broadcast scream to himself, like, come on, what's going on? Uh, and, you know, he took a couple of jump shots here or there that didn't really feel like they were in the, within the flow of the offense, kind of just trying to get himself going. Um, but like I mentioned, at least in the fourth quarter, he came in strong. You know, he got to the rim a couple of times, forced the, uh, the Bulls into fouling him, and he really imposed the physicality in the game. And I like that. I like that about it. The, the one thing I, I, I am seeing with Pascal, though, is just, like, his reactions are very – he just seems, like, 
frustrated. Not maybe at himself, maybe at whatever. The games obviously themselves have been quite frustrating as a whole, but he just seems bothered. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say speculate as to what's going on. It's just an observation when you watch him right now. He just seems bothered on many plays, whether it's going his way or not going his way. He just seems to be really in the moment, and um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know what's what's going on. But I mean, ultimately, was this a great game from Pascal? No, but it was an average game, I guess. Twenty-two points, seven of eighteen shooting with two threes, six of eight from the free throw line. Got six rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block uh, in thirty-nine minutes. It was good. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I don't know. It was okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm really struggling to describe what he what he did tonight. I mean, it's sort of a mixed bag. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right? Because you know he made some key defensive plays, but also at the same time he made some pretty glaring defensive errors. He, he's kind of made a habit of allowing guys to blow by him. Um, the defensive positioning and just things like that didn't really seem completely solid from him. And you know what? It's weird. I guess in a way because. It feels like every game I'm singling out Pascal Siakam. And in a way, like, you know, he just has an elevated importance on this team. Like, uh, like for example, we never – I didn't even mention that Parkinson really had zero points. And I didn't really, hurt, you know, slag on him for being a negative in the um, the sister game in terms of the offense, whereas I focus a lot on Pascal. But, you know, Pascal has an outsized importance. And, you know, Pascal's allowed to have off nights or whatever. I th- Honestly, it looks like his energy is low. seems like something's bothering him. He doesn't really seem to be playing with the exact same aggression and that joy that you normally see from Pascal. Like, that joy and that aggression and that passion and that infectious energy was definitely there to start the year. Um, you know, lots of moments with him and Fred celebrating and... Eh. It just I don't know that that kind of mojo seems to be gone a little bit, but you know whatever. Baby steps. Pascal played better tonight than he did against the Sixers, so that's an improvement. So I'm, I'm gonna give him some credit there. I also thought OG was massive in this game. He really held the fort down in that third quarter, and you know OG was the Raptors' best player against the Sixers. Uh, and it, realistically, you're not gonna win a lot of games with, with OG as your best guy, uh, but he's really stepped up of late. Um, you know, really getting himself involved. The three-point shot isn't falling as much as it was early in the year where he was shooting like 50% from the field. I still kind of expect him to shoot about 40% just because there's a lot of good looks within the offense. But uh, OG found ways to get himself involved. In that third quarter there, he made four uh, key plays in short succession and keep the Raptors in it. So, um, you know, he had a steal that led to a dunk. He had another steal that uh, he broke up the play and then, you know, pushed the head to Chris Boucher, who was beating everyone down the floor, Pascal style, and went in for a layup. Uh, great play there. Uh, then he forced Denzel Valentine into a shot clock violation, which, I mean, I know it's Denzel Valentine, but that man was actually hurting the Raptors a little bit. So uh, OG had to sort of take over defensively there. Um, and, you know, it, it just felt very much like... Uh, you know, OG was the one that sort of stepped up with the energy when everyone else was sort of tired and, and worn out and just not um, as crisp, you know. And he also had a put-back dunk off a, uh, I mean, I don't even know what else to say other than it was a wild three by Lowry. Not a good three-point attempt, uh, but OG crashed in for the, the put-back dunk. And it just in that stretch in that, fourth, in that third quarter, you know, uh, the Bulls defensively were holding the Raptors uh, to just 22 points. The Raptors offensively just weren't executing that well. Uh, and honestly, the Raptors just needed to get a lot of offense off their defense, and that's what OG provided. So I thought OG was really good tonight. Ten points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, four of nine shooting, 37 minutes. I love that he played 37 minutes because, man, he deserves it. Like, he really, really needs to. Um, you know, another guy who deserves some minutes is Boucher. Uh, he played really well when Serge was out. Now Nick seems to be uh, 
sensing at least some urgency in his team and sensing the need to change because he was definitely searching and experimenting in this game. Uh, you know, he played some very, very unconventional lineups to get Chris Boucher the 14 minutes that he got tonight. And Boucher was pretty effective in those 14 minutes, five points, five rebounds, uh, made a couple of plays here or there, mostly just hustled all over the floor and, um, you know, did this and that, whatnot. But, uh, yeah, the Raptors, you know, they went to some very unconventional lineups. Um, you know, two of them that really stood out to me. One, it was Kyle Lowry at the one, OG Ananobi playing two, and then Rondé at three, Boucher at four and Marcus at five. Very, very odd lineup. I don't think you'll see it that often, but you know, Nurse is clearly searching for a new combo. And it was clear because in the in the fourth quarter, Nurse then switched to Siakam playing point guard. Even though Terrence Davis was on the floor, Siakam was the guy initiating and creating plays. Pascal playing point guard, Terrence Davis playing two. And then Rondé at three, Boucher at four, and Serge Ibaka at the five. And really, when you look at it, you're like, hold up. Why are the Raptors playing four power forwards at once? It's, we are not the New York Knicks, although tonight's result was Knicks quality basketball right here. Um, you know, we are not the New York Knicks, but honestly, I just I like that Nick Nurse is searching. Uh, the regular season is for experimentation. You need to figure out what you have here and there. And honestly, you lose three straight. I want to see you, you know, try out different some different combos. You know, that big lineup really did uh, help swing a lot of the game against the Sixers. Maybe it was a little too late, uh, too little, too late. Of course, the Sixers also played into their own demise by turning the ball over every single time. Um, but there was something there with the big lineups. So, and, and honestly, you know, you need Boucher to get some minutes. You need Rondé to get some minutes. And honestly, the best way to get them some minutes is to sort of play these weird lineups when you have Pascal playing one. And that's where I don't actually mind it because, I mean. I don't know, man. If Pascal's playing point guard and he's playing on the perimeter and stuff like that, who's guarding him? You know what I mean? Like, you're almost f- forcibly creating a mismatch. I also kind of like, by the way, low-key, uh, uh, you know, I-, I look back on the tape against the Sixer game in the fourth quarter there. Pascal ran a lot of the point guard position because Fred was out. And I kind of like Pascal running the point guard just because it makes him more involved. It definitely keeps him more focused in the game. He's a good playmaker. And honestly, he's probably the guy on the team that draws the most uh, secondary attention in terms of from the defense. So he's going to create open shots for other people. Um, you know, that's not really possible with... with uh, well, that, not, not possible. It is possible, but... It hasn't really happened with Fred and Kyle back in the lineup because one of the two of them have both been running the point guard position, and when one's on the floor, the other one's off the floor, and then they're you know when they have a chance to just be by themselves, the one point guard mostly tries to lead the offense. So there hasn't been a lot of Pascal running um, the point guard position, and honestly, when Kyle was out, there was a lot of possessions there where Pascal was the guy uh, bringing the ball up, creating everything, running a pick and roll, and, and sort of keeping involved in the action. And that just hasn't happened as much because the two point guards are finally healthy again. Uh, obviously, with Fred out tonight and also out yesterday, Pascal has played more point guard, and kind of like it. I kind of like it. It's it's weird. It's definitely weird to see him as a six nine guy uh, try to attack the defense. But I don't think the I think the defense has no idea what to do with it. Like they just have no real clue as to how to handle that, uh, especially when you have four power forwards on the team. You know, there's a lot of switching, whatever, and then Pascal to a good, uh, you know mismatch and he can attack and stuff like that so it's it's interesting it's interesting but uh you know it, it's whatever it's a win i wouldn't say the raptors played well like the offense did not work for a solid you know the second and the third quarter the raptors scored 41 points in total in those two quarters and now granted the defense was good um the raptors were able to hold the bulls again to 39 point percent shooting some of that is uh, just a really bad shooting night from the bulls uh that helped it all but you know 
ultimately it was a close game and then i think experience won out i i thought mark made some great plays and uh norm made some good plays so in terms of your uh three stars from tonight's game first star i'm giving that to uh Norman Powell, 17 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 7 of 16 shooting from the field, 1 of 6 from deep, 2 of 4 from the free throw line in 29 minutes. Very effective um, in terms of just as a finisher. Uh, the one guy that's been really benefited from Kyle's return, I think actually has been Norman around about way because I looked it up. The last three games coming into this game, Norman made 7 baskets with Kyle on the floor, and all of them have been assisted by Kyle. It was... Uh, it was, it was really funny to watch. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, Lowry, they had a head passes. Norman Powell's usually the one streaking in, in transition. And, uh, you know, Norm capitalized tonight. The, the shooting wasn't fully there. Like, one of six from the three-point line is not great. But, uh, ultimately, none of the Raptors shot great from three. And uh, Norm was able to come up with those two key, uh, you know, scores at the end of the game. So, I'm giving Norm the number one star. Second star, I'm giving that to OJ Anobi. Third quarter, I thought he was the star of that third quarter. Ten points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, four of nine shooting from the field, two of three from the free throw line. Uh, honestly, him making 66% of his free throws in a game is actually pretty notable because he's still, I think, shooting about 50% from the three point or from the free throw line. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I don't think he actually has a set motion when he goes to shoot free throws. It's weird. He almost has more consistency shooting a spot-up three-point shot than he does with the free throw. Um, but... Yeah, OG was great, man. He really kept them in the game in that third quarter, made a whole bunch of hustle plays. And honestly, in a lethargic game like this, if you make the, if you provide the most energy uh, and you play the most defense, then you're probably going to get a star. And then the third time we got that to Marcus All, nine points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, four blocks, four or seven shooting, one or two from three. He had a corner three on a nice two-man game with Kyle Lowry. I, I like that Gasol was really persistent on the offensive glass. Like, one possession, he won two offensive rebounds on the same play. And I think it ultimately ended with, like, Kyle jacking a terrible shot. but And it kind of just went to waste. But, um, yeah, Mark was, you know, active. He wanted this game. He, he made that block at the end. He had a dunk at one point. Obviously, it was uncontested. So, you know, it's pretty good. And also, in, in 29 minutes, uh, 99524 is, is a pretty, pretty decent line, uh, especially when you only have one turnover. So, I, I like the way Mark played tonight. I thought he anchored the defense, and uh, he was a plus nine as well, which is pretty big when you compare it to the, what Boucher did and, and what Serge Ibaka, you know, were off the bench in terms of the plus minus. And then, um, you know, your Joe Henderson award for tonight's game, that's got to go to Daniel Gafford. Who is that? If you ask me who was running uh, the quarterback position for the you know the Chicago Bears, I would probably guess Daniel Gafford. That seems like a football-ass name. Um, but no, he apparently plays basketball. And uh, what, 14 points tonight, uh, <laughs> three blocks, a steal, made a whole bunch of energizing plays for the Bulls. Um, he was a second-round pick, uh, the 38th pick um, in this year's draft. I had not heard about this man. I had never seen this man played. I'm sorry to this man. I don't know who he is. But he was good tonight, man. Uh, plus 14 to 20 minutes. Uh, made a lot of hustle plays. It was actually real funny. When the Raptors were running their four uh, power forwards out there to start the fourth quarter, Gafford was the one, honestly, getting to the rim and, and getting putbacks and, you know, um, just finishing over multiple guys. And, and, and he blocked Serge Ibaka's shot, like, into, like, the, the upper bowl. Like, it was... It's really impressive. So uh, shout out to him, man. He got to close the game as well. So uh, yeah, he gets the Gerald Henderson Award, and then the Pat Patterson Award. Uh, I'm gonna give that to. Uh, I mean, 
I don't want to give it to Kyle because it doesn't feel fair. He did make a couple of plays, so I guess I'll ultimately give it to um, to Kobe White as a rookie. Oh, uh, seven from the field in thirty minutes. He's supposed to be a scorer. He can get hot occasionally. Uh, I like his personality, uh, not just the memes, but it just seems like a really chill kid and whatever. Um, but yeah, he was. I mean, oh, seven from the field with three turnovers. Sure, he had eight rebounds and five assists, but you know, Kobe White. Uh, it's not one of his best games, so. Uh, either that or Chris Dunn, honestly. Chris Dunn, man. <laughs> man, I don't know. How, how is Chris Dunn still starting? I, I don't understand. Like, I guess he's defensively, he's, he's, he's active, but like, bro, this is, this is like a Michael Carter Williams situation, man. Three points, three rebounds and assists, one of eight shooting from the field. Really cannot shoot whatsoever. Like, the Raptors definitely made a good call just to leave Dunn all alone all night to shoot. And, uh, he was pretty much bricks every time he had it. But, uh, you know, the Chicago point guards, they get to share the, uh, the Pat Patterson award tonight. So, you know, it, it wasn't the greatest game. I wouldn't say the Raptors problems are all fixed. I think they're clearly still searching for something. Nurse is playing around the lineups. Uh, Fred's not being, not being available. Definitely hurts. The team is suddenly super big and, uh, you know, not really playing with the right flow and mojo. And honestly, the energy of the team just looks off. Like when you look at the commercial breaks and stuff, there's not people cheering and celebrating and high-fiving and people just bring each other's energy up. You know, all those celebration pictures that I, I usually like to screen grab and put it on Twitter. Wasn't a lot of that tonight. There's a lot of dour faces and sullen faces and, you know, people that looked real miserable to be in Chicago in December, which as someone who went to Chicago many times in December, uh, I would also be one of the, <laughs> I understand their pain. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, they play the the Clippers next. Kawhi's coming back if you have tickets to that game. A, congratulations on being rich or being very lucky. Um it's really like uh, finding a golden ticket to the Willy Wonka factory to go to that game. But, uh, yeah, if, if you are going to that game, the Raptors are uh, apparently going to award Kawhi a ring at, I think, 6.45 p.m. Game starts at 7, so you want to get there early. I know it's difficult with traffic. I know people got to work and stuff like that. But if you're going to pay, like, a grand, basically, to, to see Kawhi again, uh, you should probably be in your seat to see him get his ring and stuff like that. It's going to be a great moment. Emotional night. The Clippers... Uh, they actually held Kawhi out tonight due to load management. It was a back-to-back for them. Uh, they won again tonight. They beat Indiana, uh, you know, on the road. So impressive result. Uh, Paul George is really good. Uh, so it'll be a tough game. It'll be a tough game. And honestly, it's kind of one of those make-or-break things where the Raptors can either win that game and ride that emotional high on and sort of launch another win streak, or they might lose that game and you might really, really have to look within and say, man, what's going on? Can the Raptors beat any of the top teams in the league? Um, so hopefully Fred's back for that game. Hopefully the Raptors win. And so I'll be back to uh, talk about that game. And also, one last programming note. Uh, if you are in Toronto and you want to come out to see, honestly, fellow Raptors fans and also just you know hear some basketball stories from people like myself, Alex, Katie Heindel, uh, you know, apparently a bunch of Clippers beat reporters are coming, so that's cool. Uh, and also some of the veteran Raptors press corps. If you would like to see that event, and also if you would, uh, if you, if you want to, um, you know, just honestly, just socialize and meet with other Raptor fans. That's that's one of the best parts about Hoop Talks. Really, is just that you get to meet a uh, meet up with the community. There's not enough opportunities for the Raptors community as a whole to uh, to get together. And, uh, you know, celebrate, you know, outside of the games and stuff like that in Jurassic Park. So uh, come out to that tomorrow. If you use the promo code FUNGUY, you can get 50% off tickets. That's uh, one word, F-U-N-G-U-Y. And so Hoop Talks tomorrow night at the Rivoli 
in downtown Toronto, Queen and Spadina. And um, yeah, so thanks everyone for listening. And I'll be back to recap the uh, Clippers game. Hopefully they win. Please, please, please. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.